Christmas carols hold a very special place in many of our hearts. They bring us back to memories where the cares and the struggles of this world were on pause for just a little while. And the lights twinkled and the smells of cinnamon and pine wafted through the house. And in the hard world, the Christmas season seems to be a safe haven. And Christmas carols can take us there. Some of them are silly, some of them are sappy, but some of them are scriptural. Last year, we looked at four of our favorite Christmas carols and the scriptures that they were based on, and we called it caroling. And if you missed that and want to check that out over this month, you can go back on uh, the podcast, you can go to the YouTube channel, the app, the website, and find those sermons and uh, add that to what you're doing this Christmas season as well. But this Advent, we're caroling again. And today we're going to look at the scripture behind the song, Joy to the World. J.D. Greer helped me uh, with some of these ideas as well. But Joy to the World is a hymn that was written nearly 300 years ago. Isaac Watts wrote the hymn based on Psalm 98. And Joy to the World is a hymn... uh, that the author was writing, and in this passage in Psalms 98, he saw some inspiration that made him proclaim joy to the world. This song is big and bold with bells and trumpets. It's a song that's announcing something. But what? Let's read, if you want to turn your Bibles to Psalms 98, let's read this psalm and see if we can spot The inspiration for this song, Joy to the World. Start in verse 1. You should see Bibles there in the front pew if you want to grab one of those. It'll also be up here on the screen in your app. So it says this, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done marvelous things. His right hand and His holy arm have worked salvation for Him. The Lord has made known His salvation. He has revealed His righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and the faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Now this psalm, unlike many of the other psalms, has no talk of sin or wickedness or trials or hurt. This song is all praise, lifting up the name of the righteous God that is strong and protects his people. And this song calls on his people to continue to write new songs about God because he's continually doing fresh and new things that should inspire us and that should touch our hearts and that should give us passion for him. See, God is not just a God of the past, but a God of the present and the future as well. Now, you have to be pretty excited about something for it to inspire you to write a song, right? Uh, One time, my brother wrote a song about tacos, and it was called Taco Debacle. And I don't mean he just hummed a tune for 15 minutes. I mean it's recorded uh, with a band and everything somewhere. You go try and find it on Spotify. Taco Debacle, okay? You have to be pretty excited for something to inspire you to write a song. And these feelings that he was having about tacos inspired a new song. 
Now the psalmist here recognized all of what God had done for him and he felt it. And he wrote a new song himself, calling us to write new songs in our hearts. Why? Because his holy arm saves and he loves faithfully and all the nations will be blessed by our God. These thoughts made the psalmist proclaim this next next part here in uh, Psalms 98.4. He's feeling it and he's uh, looking at our God and he uh, can't contain himself. So he says this, make a joyful noise to the Lord. All the earth break forth into joyous song and sing praise, sing praises to the Lord. With the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with the trumpets and the sound of horns, make a joyful noise before the king, the Lord. The psalmist says, hey guys, listen up. We're going to sing a new song because our God is so good to us. And lift up your voice and shout out the words and grab a harp, grab the trumpet, play it loud. All the earth breaks forth in praise. And joyful song, joy to the world, long live the king of heaven. And this breaking forth of joyful song gives us an idea of an outburst too great to be contained. Like the shout of victory after a battle or uh, when a young lady meets Justin Bieber, right? Something that can't be contained, but even better than that. And this joy is greater. It flows deep from within. Long live the king. But not just everyone in the world. Also creation itself rejoicing. As it moves and it quakes. It's proclaiming how infinite and strong and creative our God is. This next part says the water and the earth join in the song in verse 7. It says let the seas roar. And all that fills it, the world and all who dwell in it, let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth and he will judge the world with righteousness and the people with equity. The roar of the sea and the clap of the river and the hills echoing before the Lord. All the world and all the people shouting out. Joy to the Lord. Y'all try it. You ready? Joy to the world. That's pretty good. Yeah, good job. But why is creation so excited to sing to God? Well, Romans 8.22 tells us that creation is waiting and groaning until God makes all things right. Romans 8.22 says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Creation itself is waiting for God to make all things new. And it's singing and praising as it moves and it flows, looking forward to that day. A few verses before in verse 19. It says, for creation waits with eager longing for the revelation of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not willing, but because of him who subjected it. In hope that creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption 
and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Sin broke everything. Everything you see in this world that is broken, sin broke it, even nature. And creation is longing for that freedom of the new heaven and the new earth. And this is why the earth sings joy to the world. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. You may be here today, and you might say, why would I have joy? I don't even have the energy to begin to think about what this Christmas joy would look like. I'll settle just for not being depressed this Christmas season. But see, this joy isn't about pasting on a smile and wearing a festive sweater and baking cookies all day while you whistle a tune. No, the joy of Psalms 98 doesn't come from everything being perfect or getting the right presents for everyone or even time spent with family. No, this joy comes from the real reason for Christmas. See, Psalms 98 points to more than just shouts of victory that are unable to contain for a regional battle in the Middle East thousands of years ago. It's bigger than just that. It points to the coming of the Messiah, the one who saves us from doom and hopelessness and fear. The King of Kings became a man. The Lord came to us to bring salvation to us. Christmas means God became a man. And Colossians 2.9 tells us that in Jesus, all the Godhead was in a body. Colossians 1.19 says, in Christ, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And this is why the wise men came. And the angels sang. And this is why the star led the way and the shepherds left their flocks. This wasn't just another baby. No, God was in that manger. God with us, Emmanuel. And the same God that made that tree laid in that manger and then hung on a cross for us. And this is why we shout a new song. And this is why we play our instruments. And this is why the seas roar and the rivers clap and the hills sing. The king is coming to make all things new. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. God isn't waiting for us to scratch and claw our way to him in a hopeless attempt to save ourselves. No, God came to us. And this is where that joy comes from. Not from stressing over getting the Christmas tree up or whether there's enough money for expensive presents or whether Uncle Jerry is going to ruin the Christmas dinner by his offensive jokes. Y'all have an Uncle Jerry too? That's weird. 
There is no lasting joy found in all that hustle and bustle because when the music fades, all of that is empty. The Christmas joy comes from knowing that our God in heaven loves you enough that it moved him. And that he forgives you for whatever failures are in your past. And you may say, but you don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter. Our God is bigger. And he made a way to reconcile that broken relationship that you had with him. And if you have put your faith in Jesus and accepted this gift of salvation, then you don't have to face the doom of hell. And you don't have to reap the the consequences of your sin. Instead, you get to reap rewards of eternal life with your heavenly Father. Your biggest regrets, forgiven. Your feelings of insecurity, now secure in Christ. Your hands were bound in the chains of sin, and now he wants to gift you victory and freedom. Your feelings of emptiness and hopelessness, he wants to fill you with hope and purpose. And this is where the joy of Christmas comes from. Not from inflatable snowmen or sugar cookies, but in the life, the death, and the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Because his sacrifice means freedom for you. No more let sin and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings known. For as the curse is found. For as the curse is found. For as, far as the curse is found. You see, the author, Isaac Watts, knew it wasn't going to be easy to sing joy to the world in a broken and a falling world. He just acknowledged three times that there is a curse on this world. The curse of sin. And Isaac himself was plagued with disease. His physical illness got to the point where he couldn't pastor anymore. Earlier in life, he was also rejected when he proposed marriage to his bride-to-be. Nothing as embarrassing and disheartening as when you get on your knee and say, Will you marry me? And you get a big, fat nope. He also faced constant opposition to his work from those both inside his own church and outside the church. Here's a guy that knows what pain and longing and hopelessness and struggle feels like. So how in the world did he write this song, Joy to the World? Well, this song was a way of preaching the hope of the gospel to himself. It was his fight to remember and have faith in that ultimate joy. That joy's name is Jesus. And in a room with this many people in it, I'm sure there are some areas where each of us feel cursed. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one. or Maybe it's dealing with a secret sin. Maybe a job fell through or a relationship has ended. But you need to know that in Christ, pain and sin and struggle will never have the last word. 
Sin has cursed this world. And yes, there is real pain and hurt and struggle. And we are vulnerable and we understand that. And we're not fake. We admit that. But Jesus got the victory on the cross. And we sit right now in that almost but not yet. Waiting on God as he waits for the perfect time to send his son back again. And make all things new just like it was in Eden. No pain, no death, no tears, no loss. And this is why we can sing a new song in a fallen world. And we can grab all the instruments and shout praise to the Lord. Because we know that all these curses we face right now are answered in that baby in a manger. Joy to the world. And soon we'll get to be with God in a new heaven and a new earth, free from all the trials of this life. Revelation 21.1, John is getting a glimpse of heaven from God. And he says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. Prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. And he will dwell with them. And they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And this is how we can have joy because this suffering is not forever. It's just for right now. There is hope and there is a way to have joy by looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who went to the cross so that we might have the joy of salvation and a relationship with him right now. So we are not alone ever and so that one day we might spend literally forever with him in his presence. And in the meantime, we know that Jesus came to earth to walk and live like us. So that we could walk and live like him. Jesus is God with us. And he showed us so much more about who God is and how we should live. So sing this Christmas. Let yourself be inspired by who God is and what God has done for you. You're not alone. And things are not hopeless right now. And they aren't in hopeless in the future either. For the follower of King Jesus. The king has brought salvation and he is a righteous judge that cares about his people fairly and equally. So join the choir of creation this season and sing a new song and make a joyful noise and break out the instruments and let your heart swell with emotion and your eyes fill with tears because he rules the world with truth and grace. And he makes the nation prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. And the wonders of his love. And the wonders, wonders of his love. Joy to 
the world. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes as the band comes. You might say, Pastor Phil, I can't sing. Well, you can sing with your heart. And you can join in the worship. And what might come out might not be amazing, but it is special. And it is sacred and it is holy when we sing unto our God. Maybe you haven't yet experienced this joy of a relationship with God yet. Maybe you sit here today and you say, yeah, I kind of am intrigued by God. I'm interested. I'm kind of familiar with who Jesus is. But you haven't yet committed to be a follower of Jesus. See, we all have a problem, and that problem is called sin. We just talked about it. It broke everything. And ever since sin flooded into this world, we see pain and death and disease and sorrow. And everything that you see in this world that is broken is broken because of sin. That's disobeying God. That's doing things our way instead of His way. And not just for the sake of making us jump through hoops, but because sin hurts us. The end of sin is always a death, whether that's death of relationships or death of our of parts of us or, or even physical death. Sin broke everything. But God got off the throne. The Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And He walked among us. And He lived this life for 33 years. And He taught and He did miracles. got in trouble a lot because he didn't do things the way that people thought he should do them. The government didn't like him and the church didn't like him. Religious leaders. But then he did something amazing. He willingly laid down his life on a cross so that we might get to God. Jesus is our bridge. There's only one way. The way is narrow, the Bible says. And that way is through the cross. Jesus paid the price for all those sins that we've committed. He paid the price for all the sins of mankind. And God laid down his life on a cross. And that's the gift of Christmas. See, so the baby is important because he went to the cross. And he died, and he rose again on the third day, bringing our salvation with him. And the chains of sin and death are broken. You can call out to God right now. And the words aren't important. You can say, God, I know I'm a sinner. God, I put my faith in what you did on the cross. Please save me. I'm turning from my sin. I'm turning to you. 
got to understand your need and that Jesus met that need and accept that gift of salvation. I want to encourage you to do that today if you've never done it. Make that choice once and for all. It's not something you do every morning. It's not something that, uh, you know, you sin and you have to do it again. This is a, a big event in your life. A line in the sand when you say, I put my faith in Jesus to save me. If you make that choice today, I want to encourage you, whether it's now or here throughout the rest of this time of worship, if you make that choice today, I'd love for you to write that on your connection card. I chose Jesus and put it in one of those boxes because I'd love to be able to follow up with you and talk to you about what's next in this great adventure of being a follower of Jesus. For those of you that are already followers, I, I want to ask you to commit to sharing that joy with your world. The hope that's found in Jesus to over this Christmas season to share that joy with somebody. Maybe that means that you pray with them. Maybe that means you do something that uh, doesn't ask for anything in return. Maybe you even get to share the gospel with somebody. That's amazing. Just tell them what happened to you. Why don't you commit to make that offering this Christmas season to share the hope of Jesus. Dear God, we love you. I pray that you help us to be people of joy because you say the joy of the Lord is our strength. And if we don't have this joy, then we're confused and we're distracted and we're not focused on you and we are weak. God, I pray you help us to be people of joy and people that spread that joy. In your name we pray. Amen.